Alrighty, back out of here on the fan. We'll get to JB Bickerstaff's comments from over the weekend in just a second. Still asking you guys at 216-474 to below 92. Would you rather have Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald? And I'm surprised at some of the it's kind of outrage on behalf of Cooper Cup to the point where or on behalf of Aaron Donald, to the point where I'm just wondering if you guys just are mad because you had Cooper Cup after a near two thousand yard season in your fantasy football league and you're just you're just taking it out on me right now. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, sometimes I let you. I ask you, am, am I am I uh, banana slicing this one? Or am I hitting it two fifty right down the middle of the fairway? I, a lot of the people that have called in very different than the people that have tweeted at me at Jay Peterlin, J P E T E R L I N. It's kind of weird. The callers are all suggesting that Aaron Donald can walk on water and Cooper Cup can't play football, while the tweeters are suggesting that Cooper Cup is the answer. I, I, for my money, it's what I've been maintaining. I believe in an offensive league, I have a better chance of beating Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes if I can put up 45 as opposed to uh, trying to stop Patrick Mahomes. Trying to stop Patrick Mahomes is a futile effort at this point. Like, it's good. You should you should try to put together the best defensive team you possibly can. I'm not saying that's a waste of time. And in, in fact, I think the Browns' defense has done a remarkable job this offseason. Andrew Barry's done a very good job of putting together a really good on-paper defensive team. I say on paper because in recent years we haven't been able to rely on that, but with Jim Schwartz, I think we will. I like this defense a lot. I think this defense is about as well put together as you can expect to do any sort of damage against one of these top quarterbacks. Adding Aaron Donald, in my estimation, will help that. There's no doubt. He's not chopped liver. It would make it one of the best defensive lines the game has ever seen. But if if you're telling me I get one between the two, because you can't afford both, Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald, I think Cooper Cup's impact on the wide receiver room would be greater than what Aaron Donald's impact could be on the defensive line and what this team ultimately ends up being. We're talking just strictly wins when the season is done. I think Cooper Cup, a Cooper Cup Browns receiver room gets you more wins than what an Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett defensive line room gets you. Because right now you still got Miles Garrett, you got Tom Winston, you got Zadarius Smith. I need to give Deshaun Watson as many pieces as I possibly can. And Cooper Cup is that good. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Brandon, up next on the fan. Well, Brandon. Hey, you know Cooper Cobb. I had him the year he went off, and he single handedly helped my fantasy team. So <laughs> I will always, I will always remember how good he can actually be. Yeah, but that's incredible. The reason I had to call was you made those Ken Harrelson references. I'm a huge White Sox fan, so <laughs> that just made my day. Like I didn't even know there was an alarm clock. You know, I can only imagine waking up saying, you, know, "You can't put it on the board." Or, Yes. Something like that. Oh. Just, I miss him. I mean, you, you have a could you, you have imagine? a favorite memory of him? Uh, I I'll tell you my favorite memory of him because it does it involves him, but it's it's obviously it's my memory, so it involves me more, Brandon. Uh, there was a I was working at six seventy the score in Chicago. I was an intern at that point, right? And let's say it was around like two thousand nine. And as an intern in, at Chicago Sports Radio, I'm just trying to like make my mark and, and impress people. And so what you did, what the job was, is I had to watch every White Sox game at the radio station and then cut out any funny clips that they could use on the radio station, right? And at one point, there was a ball hits a right field. And Hawk, he goes, he just, he lost it. He lost his mind. And he goes, he goes, you got to be bleeping me. And I was like, this is gold. This is it. And so like, I cut it up. 
And then I sent it over, and I basically let everyone in the station know, like, Hawk Harrelson just lost his mind, and his big line was, you got to be bleeping me. And uh, they used it for the next 10 years. Yeah, he just he has so many memorable things. I mean, my favorite Hawk memory was him calling Mark Burley's perfect game. Like, I have that ingrained in my head. Oh, the Dwayne Wise play. catch. Yeah. The Dwayne Wise catch, and then at the last you know, the last out where Alexei and then Nerko <laughs> and you just start screaming, yes. <laughs> I will never forget. All right. Thank but you, Brandon. That was fun. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. That's fun. I love talking to old baseball announcers. Yeah, old baseball announcers. We'll get back into uh into Aaron Donald V Cooper Cup in a second. Old baseball announcers were basically cartoon characters. There's just there's no other way to put it. Uh, Harry Carey for the Cubs, for instance, Hawk Harrelson for the White Sox, old baseball announcers, by and large, were just, they were cartoon characters. They, they, were, they were barely humans because they'd been doing it for so many years. And in the instance of Harry Carey was just an outward, just drunk. And they just, they just kind of let them do what they needed to do. Harry Carey would openly call Ryan Sandberg, Reinberg, and people were just like, oh, that Harry. He had too many Budweiser's today. How adorable. That's, that's what they did. Such a wild, different time. But Hawk Harrelson had some of the, some of the best calls. You can put it on the board. Yes. yes. Back to back, Jacks. Mercy. Mercy. That's the other thing. <laughs> Listen to it all day. The end of Mercy. I love that. Yeah, no, that, that made my internship. That one, finding that one clip and then them using it over and over and over again made my internship. I say make my internship like they turned around and was like, now, Jonathan, would you like to do afternoon drive on 670 The Score? No, that part didn't happen. So I guess it really, end of the day, didn't really matter that much. But uh, for me, it mattered. 216474 to below 92. Mean Chuck. I haven't heard from you in a while. What's up, Mean Chuck? Hey, what's going on? Oh, this isn't mean, Chuck. This is just normal, Chuck. I'm sorry. I thought yeah, it was... Yeah, this is no, normal, Chuck. I don't know where mean no. Chuck is at, but listen. Okay, what's up, Chuck? How you doing, On that man? Aaron Donald thing, I'd take Aaron Donald because if the Browns was to get him, they'd probably be the closest thing to the 85 Bears in the last 35 years as far as the defense. And you remember they won the Super Bowl with a mediocre quarterback. Yeah, McMahon, McMahon. wasn't anything. He wasn't anything. There's no doubt. They had Walter Payton now. I mean... Well, yeah, we got Nick Chubb, so that's what I'm saying. It all balanced out. Just in case Watson has a, me- just in case Watson have a mediocre year, you know, that defense will make up for that. Oh man! All right, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate you as always, man. Thank you. Um, that's tough because you can't just rely on defense in 2023. It just doesn't work that same way. 85 Bears, early 2000s Ravens. There's a lot of really good, some of those Giants teams in the 80s as well. Some really good defensive football teams that we all know are really good. Hate to be this guy because you're going to turn around and be like, well, the 85 Bears never took on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I've never seen anyone on Patrick Mahomes in my life. I've never seen just him not. I've never seen a player that just could care less whether or not you have a defense. Or whether or not you think you have a defense. It just does not matter to him. Hell, he almost got Jonathan Gannon, now the head coach for the Cardinals. Almost like here's a here's a, let's put this in perspective. Jonathan Gannon had the Eagles to being a top eight defensive team in all of football. Okay? Legitimately. And we talked about their defensive line where they had four guys that had double digit sacks. 
We talked about uh, adding Joseph, adding Adamic and Sue in November. Really, really good defense. Patrick Mahomes, after the Super Bowl, had callers in the WIP in Philadelphia suggesting that Jonathan Gannon should be fired. That's how badly he embarrassed a great defensive mind that ended up becoming a head coach based off of what he did, but the entire league was like, yeah, we'll just let this one go. I get it. We'll let, we'll let this one go. You've earned it. Because Patrick Mahomes, there's no explaining for it. But we have to explain. We have to figure out an answer for him. I don't know. If you, if you gave me the choice between Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, I am taking the piece that would make our offense better. It's a wide receiver league. At this point, it's quarterback wide receivers. Look at where the money is. And I know there's a lot of money spent on the defensive ends, and there's a lot of money spent on the defensive line. Of course, that's why we're talking about it the way that we are. But you're paying you're paying Miles Garrett $25 million a year. You're paying Tomlinson $17 million. Darius Smith is getting paid double-digit millions. At some point, you have to tell me, or you just have to resign yourself to the idea that the defensive line is making enough money. They need to be really, really good, regardless of whether or not you add in a three-time defensive player of the year and a first ballot Hall of Famer. Rob, up next on the fan. Well, Rob. Hey, Jonathan. Uh, great creative stuff tonight, man. I, I really want to weigh up, weigh in on the uh, Cup Donald debate, but I got to start with the the Hawks Harrelson alarm clock because um, <laughs> okay. I have several friends who would love waking up to ball four base hit or or other uh, Hawkisms. But my favorite Hawk call is actually as a Tribe fan. I don't know if you remember when the Indians were fighting for the playoffs, and they won 10 games in a row to finish the season. And the key to that run was Jason Giambi and his 192 batting average hitting a three-run homer against the White Sox. <laughs> and Hawk was so upset that he goes, swinging a drive, and he starts reading the credits. He's like, this ball game is over. And our executive producer, Tim Smith, he was so livid that Jason Giambi had just beaten the Sox. He starts reading the credits. I was dying. You can probably find it on YouTube, but uh, I had to share that one with you. Thank you, Rob. I'm going to look it up in between the break. That's fantastic. By hey. the way, the, the Hawk Harrelson talking alarm clock on eBay is going for $45 right now. <laughs> I'm sure there was a, there's probably White Sox fans who would pay two to three times that amount. I, at one point in life when I looked it up, it was easily two or three times more than that. All right, what, uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what's on your mind with Donald versus, uh, versus Cooper Cub? You got I mean, your Browns thought here. Listen, man, Donald is probably going to retire as a top three defensive player of all time. The guy's a legend. But I am going to side with you here, man. Uh, Spider lost all credibility ever on your show. By saying that uh, Cooper Cooper Cup is not as good of a receiver as Amari Cooper, <laughs> Cooper Cup's a athletic freak who's had some of the most historic seasons in history. And if if you were in this Browns offense, um, we would be so dynamic against the the goal at the goal line. I mean, you know, David Njoku would probably have about fifteen touchdowns. Oh yeah, because <laughs> people would have to worry about Cup. I, I just. I agree with you. Um, you know, the, the point about Mahomes scoring nine in the Super Bowl from Spider wasn't really valid either because uh, the Chiefs basically had two St. Ignatius offensive linemen starting that game due to injury. <laughs> so, you know, Mahomes is, is obviously – we're, we're going to have to score a ton of points it's against Burrow too, Jonathan, to support yeah. your point. But I really think, you know, we need a guy like that to, to make this offense electric. And we can hope that some of the moves we made help, but – I just hope that's not where we fall short this year because I think it's going to be a whole different defensive scheme this year 
with, with the new coordinator and better coaching on the defensive side of the ball. All right, great call. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you, man. You got it. All right, good stuff right there with Rob. $45. It looks like Hawk Harrelson. He's got his face on it and everything. I can't believe it. $45 on eBay. I, so, I, listen, I obviously we're going to put this conversation to bed. We're going to get to it a little bit later on. I got some J.B. Bickerstaff audio I want to play for you guys. I, I just I, I thought it was fascinating that with the Rams' current situation, everyone went towards Aaron Donald today. In my estimation, I go towards Cooper Cup. But I, I found it really interesting that so many people, after a 1,900-yard season where he was unequivocally the best receiver in the game, he has one year where he gets injured, and really, let's be honest about it, Matthew Stafford had his injury, and there was a lot that was wrong with Los Angeles. And it was one of those, it was almost like a Dame Lillard in Portland situation where Dame's missed 77 games over the previous two years, but for the previous decade hadn't missed anywhere close to that number. It's like, yeah, I'm playing for a garbage team that's not playing for anything. I'll shut this thing down because I need to shut it down and so I can be better at my age 30 season. That's more what I think happened with Cooper Cup. But it sounds like to me, I'm going to get some some great value on Cooper Cup and fantasy football leagues coming up. If you guys just think he's all of a sudden trash, I do not think that at all. It's an offensive league. I would make the move towards the offense as opposed to the defense, even with the understanding on what Aaron Donald could do on this defensive line. Also, when we talk about the wide receivers and we talk about this room offensively, I need to get in the better habit of this. And apologies to David Njoku. I need to start throwing Njoku's name in a little bit more. I tend to, even though it's been year seven now with Njoku and he's one of my favorite Browns players, I tend to overlook when talking about the wide receiving unit just what type of impact I think David Njoku can have this year. And for that matter, we got to throw Nick Chubb in that mix as well. Nick Chubb getting a lot more touches in the receiving area I think is going to be something that happens this year. I right, leave that there. We come on back. J.B. Bickerstaff made a comment on ESPN over the weekend. He was talking about the summer league, and they're going through what happened last year and what didn't happen last year. And I'm going to have this audio for you coming up, okay? But I don't think Bickerstaff was right. I don't think the Cavs had to go through last season to get to where they want to go this season. I'll explain what I mean. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan. Hundreds of thousands of people there before first pitch got underway to watch batting practice as if it was the main event. And the two of them put on absolute, an absolute clinic. I mean, it's as if they knew that was part of the appeal. Like that was part of the big deal. Like, hey, I know these guys paid a lot of money for their tickets. We're going to give them a show every single day. And then later you find out that Sosa was corking his bat during these things. <laughs> it's like it, does, it didn't really even matter to me because at the time everyone got so mad about him corking his bat and doing all these different things. And you found out that it was for batting practice showcases, basically. But then you, you really dive into, like, the sports science of it all. From that show on ESPN, I think they did a sports science on it. It was like, how much does corking your bat – actually help it's like five feet for every 315 it, I mean it helped certainly it made some warning track balls end up being home runs but then it really wasn't the 50 feet 100 feet that people thought it was it didn't turn your wooden bat into a metal bat like some people thought now that's a million dollar idea right there though get me major league baseball players with a metal bat and let's see what happens now, you couldn't have those kids running around the outfield like they have in the home run derby. You couldn't have that. I don't want uh, little Robbie Jr.'s head to be taken off by uh, you know Randy Rosarina. I always struggle with his name. Rosarina. I don't want his head to be taken off. But you telling me watching Rodriguez hitting this home run derby 
where he's got a legitimate chance to hit it out of Safeco with a metal bat wouldn't be the greatest theater they could come up with. I mean, I I can't be wrong here. Metal bats, let's go another direction. Ban Shohei Otani. We're going to get to J.B. Bickerstaff in a second. I got a, a lot of lucid thoughts thrown out my uh, uh, playing through my brain here. Metal bats, no Shohei Otani, starting pitchers, home run derby. Versus the actual home run hitters. Nah, sounded lame. Didn't like it. My apologies. All right, J.P. Pickerstaff was on uh, ESPN over the weekend. Cavs Summer League. Cavs Summer League in action right now. Monty Bates. Monty Bates had 21 points, two blocks, and two steals on 7 of 11 from the field. He was 5 of 8 from 3. I did not check anything past that. But the Imani um, uh, Bates game that people wanted to see out of Imani Bates started materializing in a big-time way. I did wonder... And I'm going to get to Victor Wembanyama a little bit later on in the program. I did wonder whether or not he had something very similar to what Wembanyama had happened, where Wembanyama came out and had uh, 27 points and absolutely just tore it up. I wondered if something like that happened because Amani Bates, in his opening game, there was not a shot he took that he didn't like. He was just chucking it up, and he loved everything about it. I think he got nervous. I think there was legit nerves that he had right there. And then you take a game like tonight against Memphis. And the way that he was able to play and the way that he was able to go. Yeah, final tally. Five from eight for three. 21 points. Plus minus of 17. He looked really good. Isaiah Mobley, by the way. Isaiah Mobley is putting together just a a really nice overall. Only had eight points tonight, but was plus 23. And then uh, Sam, not Sam Morrell, the comedian. 27 points. It's nice. It's nice to see for someone like Amani Bates to be able to come up, play the way that he did, actually contribute. It gives you just a, a good sense of the team is headed in the right direction if you can get anything positive out of Amani Bates. And not necessarily the, the, the Cavs is a, a big picture side of things, just like in general, them being able to take the, the chance and the risk on someone like Amani Bates and then watching it materialize in whatever fashion that it does. Again, one summer league game doesn't make or break you. It's just nice to see when he plays well. That's got to be good for the confidence for Armani Bates. That's the the main point. But J.B. Bickerstaff was talking to ESPN, and I got a little upset at the following. I just just don't think this is an accurate take. Here we go. I do think it's experience matters. You don't get where you want to go without taking a whooping first. There's got to be that big brother, you know, who kind of knocks you down a little bit. You learn from it. You come back fighting. That's how you get better. So I think that's what happened to us this year. And I know our guys. I know their character. I know their makeup. And they're in the gym. They're in the weight room right now working to prepare themselves for next year. I think this is quite the spin from Bickerstaff. I almost respect it. It's that much of a spin. The the Bikram yoga level reach that this is. When Magic Johnson won at 20, was it because of what? Because he played Larry Bird in the title game in college where he also won? He wasn't even able to legally drink, and he was winning everything. Kobe was 21 years old. We talked Joe Burrow a lot this show already. Joe Burrow won a title at LSU, then he had the year that he got injured, and then he Went, made his way to the Super Bowl. Are you telling me that there's some sort of what? What would he, what would he gain out of all this? I get so confused by this rhetoric. I just I don't understand. Like, what are we doing here? You think a five game loss to the Knicks 
is going to propel the Cavs to some sort of greater destiny, and it's supposed to be a good thing for this Cavs team? How is that a good thing? It's a great talking point that not many people are going to disregard, but the Knicks being your big brother isn't a great thing to have happen. Jalen Brunson being your daddy is not good. You know, maybe if it was a first-round matchup with Giannis or Embiid and you just drew the short straw, sure, but not against a Knicks team that was about as threatening as a toddler and really had no business beating you as badly as they did. Jared Allen didn't get any better understanding. I don't see how you make the case. Jared Allen, as of right now, still thinks when the postseason happens, he's going to vomit all over his leg. In fact, I would bet... Jared Allen is more scared of the postseason right now than he's ever been. He's thinking to himself, wait, every time I get there, Evan Mobley as well. I hope Mobley takes another step forward, but Evan Mobley's got no proof that he isn't just, as of right now, a really good regular season basketball player. Now, Evan Mobley's going to grow and he'll get better offensively, and I don't worry about that in the future. But Jared Allen went from a 15-10 and 10 guy to a 10-7 and 7 guy in the blink of an eye because all of a sudden defenses started to try and offenses started to try and Julius Randle bullied the hell out of him. Why would I feel any differently going into the postseason? You guys know I love golf, right? It'd be like me getting scared to play water hole par threes where you have to hit it over the water and then me just failing, right? And if I didn't get any better at all, and continue to hit the ball in the water, never put it on the dance floor in the slightest bit, why would I feel confident then? Why would all of a sudden do I think like, oh yeah, I got this? Why? Because I failed 27 times in a row? I'm going to all of a sudden feel like I got better? In what world does that make sense? No, I failed. I'm going to feel even worse. I'm going to get up over that ball and I'm going to try to hit the the, the green and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about the other 26 times I didn't hit it. Jared Allen's going to enter a postseason next year, all things considered, if he's still with the Cavs, and I bet he is. And he's going to enter a postseason matchup, and he's going to think about the time that he lost in five games in the Knicks. Everyone in this Cavs team will. Hell, it's part of the case I've been making against Donovan Mitchell the entire time. You guys know I love Donovan. Donovan's got two 50-point games in the postseason. One of them he lost, by the way. He lost a 50-point game. Donovan Mitchell's never made it out of the second round. You guys know that about Donovan Mitchell? I love him, but he comes with question marks when it comes to the postseason. Never made it out of the second round. How are you one of the best in the league and you've never made it out of the second round of the postseason? You got problems in the postseason. Now, maybe it's because he does that weird thing like he did this last year where he decided to score 40-point games in the four straight games leading up to the postseason. I'm going to have big issues. Big issues next year if J.B. Bickerstaff lets him do that one again. Four straight 40-point games, playing 40 minutes a night against the Orlando Magic. For no reason. No, he doesn't get to call the shots next year. Not when it comes to that stuff. No siree. So, yeah, like I, I don't understand why J.B. Bickerstaff is going to look at it glass half full when you lost in five to the Knicks. Would it have made me feel better if he came out and said, you know what, that sucked. End, end of sentence, probably, as opposed to saying we're going to grow from this, we're going to learn from this, we're going to overcome adversity, all these other things. You lost to the Knicks in five. It wasn't Giannis. It wasn't Embiid. It was a bad New York Knicks team that, honestly, they were just good enough to win a series, and that was about it. It's great coach speak. 
You can almost convince yourself that it matters, but the Cavs didn't have to go through last year, in my estimation, to grow in the slightest bit. That is a logical half-truth. And that logical half-truth suggests that they're better off losing in five games in the Knicks than they were if they went to the finals and lost, and that's just not true in the slightest bit. So that was the problem I had. And I want to hear from you. 216474 to below 92. Is Bickerstaff right that the Cavs had to go through last season to get to where they want to go? I just don't know why people in life feel like that's necessary. I don't know why you feel like you have to go to the bottom of the basement in order to go to the penthouse. Sometimes you can just get to the penthouse and you don't have to you know, fight through 500 yards of you-know-what in order to end up there. Sometimes you can just take a nice, pleasant stroll and get better and better with each year because you got better and better with each year. Or you can be Kobe that won at 21 or Magic that won at 20, and you can take care of that business right away. 216-474-0092. Jerry, up next on the fan. Hello, Jerry. Hi, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Jerry? Uh, you might not remember me, but I once called and told you that I didn't think two smallish point guards uh, and along with Jerry, two, the Jerry, playing, Jerry, of course I remember you. Come on, Jerry. <laughs> I, I still don't believe. I think it's a combination of the teams you had, and it's a very flawed team. And I, they'll be good in the regular season because they can, you know, run all over the place, score, do whatever. But when it comes to the playoffs and people start really playing defense and they're facing bigger guards who are just as good as them, they're going to have to make some trades. I know people don't want to hear it, but they're going to have to make some trades because you have two of the same type of players. You know, um, Allen and uh, Mobley have similar games. And uh, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell have similar games. Plus, they're the smallest point guards out there. It's been a worry, Jerry. It's been a it's been a worry, and I appreciate the phone calls always, Jerry. Appreciate you chiming in. It's it's been a worry, and I do remember when you called in because it, it's not it's not a unique point, but honestly, we don't get it enough that it does stand out when people call in and they say Garland and Mitchell won't work together. It's not going to work. You know, we, we talked about uh, McCollum and Lillard for the longest time. Can you win with two guards set up that way? And I always thought the difference was, you know, it's not just those two. Mobley is going to be great. And when Mobley ends up being great, it's going to completely change the identity of this team. Right now, the identity offensively has to be Donovan and Darius. I think a couple years down the line, depending what happens with Donovan, Obviously, if he's playing in a Knicks uniform, it's gonna it's gonna be very differently, uh, very different. But all things considered, ideal scenario: Donovan scores a ton, Mobley scores a ton, and then Darius gets to act as a true number three scorer, not as reliant on his game, even though he does have a really good game, and I do think he contributed at a very high level for this Cavs team. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. I'm just I'm banking on the idea that Mobley ends up being such a force. That your your first and second options is Donovan and then into Mobley. 216474 to below 92. Is Bickerstaff right that the Cavs had to go through last season to get to where they want to go? We'll continue on with this. Fan focus coming your way at nine. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on the fan. 
do think it's the experience matters. You don't get where you want to go without taking a whooping first. There's yeah. got to be that big brother, you know, who kind of knocks you down a little bit. You learn from it. You come back fighting. Yeah. That's how you get better. So I think that's what happened to us this year. And I know our guys. I know their character. I know their makeup. And they're in the gym. They're in the weight room right now working to prepare themselves for next year. That's the voice of J.B. Bickerstaff, Summer League on ESPN over the weekend, and I just I just don't buy it. Sorry, I, I don't feel like you need to make Jalen Brunson all of a sudden your big brother in order to feel like you get to overcome some sort of adversity that you put yourself into. I just, I, I that is a that is a logical half-truth at best. It would suggest that they're better off losing in five games to the Knicks than they were if they went to the finals and lost, and it's just not true. Kobe won at 21. Magic won at 20. We brought Joe Burrow into this discussion as well. You can win at a very young age without going through adversity. I know we like to think about it. Like Tony Robbins sells a, book, a bunch of books on the idea that you uh, overcoming adversity is great. You know, uh, you, know, you got to persevere in life and you got to do all these different things. Hell, I might be the poster child for all that, for being honest about it. But the reality is, even though I'm 34 years old and I've been doing radio for 14 years, and I have this night show that I really love and everything. And there's a, there's a lot of hard work that went into getting that. There's a lot of hard work that took in that, into, into being in the situation that I'm currently in. A lot of people that are 23 years old that put themselves in situations right away, they end up winning. That's just, I mean, that's just how life is. A lot of people at 23 and 24 don't have to go through seven steps backwards in order to go through 10 steps forward. They just have nice saunters and walks all through life. And they end up doing all right. They end up doing great. Like, it, it, there's a million different ways that you can cut this. I, I don't hate that JB's going this direction on it. The idea that, oh, we had, to, we had to go through this in order to get better. But, sorry, five games and a loss to the Knicks in a, in a series that you were favored to win going into. Sorry, you're not going to sell me that that's somehow a good thing. I wanted a postseason win. That's what I wanted last year. You didn't give me that. There's no chance Jared Allen and Evan Mobley look at what they did in the postseason and think, awesome. Donovan Mitchell struggled in the postseason, advancing, never advanced out of the second round. Struggled in the postseason his entire career when it comes to actually winning games. And then we watch him lose in five and we're supposed to be over the moon about it. Yeah. Miss me on that, man. I'm not buying it. 216474 to below 92, Mr. Buckley. Up next on the fan. Hello, Mr. Buckley. Long time no speak. Hello. Yeah, I will not have I will not have the blasphemous besmirchment of my Knicks calling them a bad team. Got a Knicks, 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 Knicks summer league game or something like that we can brag about or what? I won't have you say the Knicks are a bad team. They're vastly better than the Cavs. And I'm going to go forward yeah. with it. The Knicks will be the number one seed in the East next year. Well, now you're just now you're. Are you drunk or are you high? Which one are you, Mister? Why, why won't they? I, be? I know you like to party. Which one are you? Why won't they be? Why won't they? The be? number one seed. The number one. Why won't they be? No, they'll be the number one seed. Like tonight at like three in the morning in your dreams. They will be the number one seed in the East next year. Please. Donovan Mitchell is a second round bum. Be careful. Evan Mobley be will careful. never be great. Listen, listen to me, Evan Mobley. Stop saying he's going to be great. He will be known as one thing forever, and that's Mrs. Mitchell Robbins. <laughs> he will never be great. Here's Stop to you, Darius. Mrs. Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Darius Garbage. Please, look, let me ask you a serious question. 
What, sure. what, 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 I like what that you acknowledge, Mr. Buckley, that none of your questions have been serious up no, until they this are, point. But no, yes, every point <laughs> ask, I made your, ask your serious question. No, I didn't ask. This, this is a serious question. Okay. What, do you, what do you think the Cavs are going to do next year? I'll tell you what they're going to do. You, I want to hear from you, though. Okay, I think they're going to win fifty games again, and they're I think, be a play I think they're going to. I think they're going to win a playoff series, and I, I don't have much more beyond that. They will be at best a play-in team. Donovan Mitchell will be traded mid-season, probably to the Knicks, and Evan Mobley will never materialize. Darius Garland will be traded. There'll be a play-in team. All these flavors, and you choose to be salty, Mister Buckley. No, 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 no! I won't have you calling the Knicks a bad team. They'll be the number one seed in the East. And that's a guarantee. So J- Jalen Brunson is a vastly superior player to Donovan Mitchell at this point. Gone further in the playoffs, better playoff performer, cannot be argued. Donovan Mitchell will never be the number one on a championship team. Please, don't even... It's, it's if he goes to New York, whenever, are you going to call back and just take all, all these comments back or no? Well, he'll be, a good number, he'll be a good number two on the Knicks. But let me tell you, you're, these abysmal takes out of Cleveland with the Cavs are just, you know... I try to be nice. I try to be nice, but it's, you cannot go there with the next number one seat next year, my friend, and I'll be calling you. Did you have good parties over the 4th of July? Oh, oh now you want to hang up? Now you want I'm, I'm just I, I want to know more about you, Mr. Buckley. Mr. Buckley one time invited me to his he invited me to his playoff party, his Knicks Cavs playoff party. He said he was having 100 people over there. I could be the only Cavs fan in Northeast Ohio to show up. I said only Cavs fan? Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I wasn't working, I would have seriously considered it. Now, yeah, let's be honest. I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone. I, 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 you know, this past week, I ended up going to a couple of different parties. And, and they were all, they were my speed. They were good. I went to a nice 4th of July party where no one expected me to do anything. And I got to sit there and I got to hang out and eat tacos, which was really nice, and have beverages and I was out in a prompt two hours, 15. And that was, that was my speed. That was, that was really what I like to do, okay? That's, that's my, that's my uh, perfect version of a party, okay? My, my, my wife's gotten it down at this point where I don't want to be here for seven hours. You know, some people, they go to the party and then they're just, they hang around for a million different hours and they wait and see as if like something new is going to happen. I, I got this thing locked. Two hours, two and a half hours max. Oh yeah, I gotta get home to the baby. Oh, baby's acting up. I gotta, gotta take her back home. You know all these, all these different. The baby's been a great excuse. And then we go from there. I got it. I, I got it down. Uh, one more clip, and I gotta get to something with Mackenzie coming up in just a second. The uh, the Kobe Altman clip, courtesy of ESPN. I want to play this really quickly for you. We have a, a young group, and we're trying to, you know, we went 44 wins to 51 wins and lost in the first round of the playoffs. How do we now win a round of the playoffs? As you know, Channing, each round gets so much harder. It's going to be the goal. Each round gets harder and harder. How do you go? And this is, I love that he's thinking that way. Because I, for the longest time, I've been telling you guys that this is how GMs and is in in his instance president of basketball operations this is how these guys think they want to work in such a linear fashion it is so important to them that they continue to win and then they achieve more than what they did the year prior because anything short of that seems like a step backwards last year wasn't an actual fail from a Cavs perspective, because as Kobe said, and he can lay it out right there, it felt like a failure after five games, but he can say it right there. We went from 44 wins and a play-in tournament, 
where they played on the they played the Nets, they played the Hawks in the play-in games, to then going a 51-win season into an actual real postseason uh, seven-game stretch that turned into five games. It's all about crawling to walking to run. This is all they ever got to sell you. So they can do these interviews like they did in Summer League right there. And for the person that doesn't pay as much attention to the Cleveland Cavaliers, they can look and say, wow, they really did get better, didn't they? They got, they got much better from one year to the next. Congratulations to them. We'll see how they do next year. All they got to do. All right, Mackenzie brought something to my attention. So Mackenzie is now living um, in the area. She hadn't been for a little bit. She'd been in Northeast Ohio, but not necessarily in the area. Now she's here. And you, uh, Mackenzie, you went, to, you went to one of the big clubs over the weekend. Is that right? Don't say the club name, but you went to one, one of the bigger clubs in the flats over the weekend. Is that right? Yes, it is right. Okay. So now you were telling me something I didn't know about, and I just I need to let all of you guys know that this exists because I did not know this exists, and this definitely did not exist when I was younger. Now I don't go out to clubs anymore, so I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm also one of the more loyal, committed human beings you'll ever meet in life. But that's besides the point. You went to one of these clubs with one of your friends. Tell me what happened. So we were at the club. Um... And we ended up going to like a section with some guys, whatever. My friend ends up kissing one of the guys. And after she left, she kind of felt weird about the name that he gave her, kind of his occupation, da da da. So there's this Facebook group called. And this is what I didn't know. <laughs> this is, I had no idea this is a thing out there. I think this is wild. Dude, and it's great. Pay attention, guys. Especially if you're not the loyal type. Pay attention. <laughs> so there's a Facebook group called Akron Canton Cleveland Are We Dating the Same Person? Where girls will go in. I'm going to get outed for this. Anyhow. You're getting outed for this? Like, I'm well, going to get kicked out of the group. You're going against the girl code. I know, I know, I know. And that's you're not supposed to let guys know. know this is happening, but I, I, I think this is wild. <laughs> um, but you post a picture or something in the group of the guy that you're talking to or dating and... Other girls will comment and say, like, oh, red flags, like, this is my experience with this guy. <laughs> or, or like, oh, my gosh, I've been seeing him, too. Like, you're oh basically gosh. just trying to figure out. And I'm- so in this instance, your friend posted a photo, which I think is wild, by the way. She posted a photo with the How guy. How did she even, she just got a photo with the guy and was like, hey, Dude, come here, take a photo. No, I took the picture. We have, like, a little digital camera that we have. And I literally was like, oh, like, take a picture. Literally posted up for the picture and everything. And... She put it on this Facebook group. Oh, my gosh. Guy, turns out, guy's married with five kids. So someone commented on this page and was like, married five kids. Well, it, it um, like, there's like 128 comments. People from his work saw 120, it. 120, like, what? People from his work saw it. Like, other girls. It ended up getting back to his wife. Well, of course it did. <laughs> 128 comments. Now, did, when you posted the photo, did you say something like, just made out with this dude? <laughs> Well, I think I didn't post it. She posted it. She was just like, I have a weird feeling. Does anybody have any information about this guy? Just seems kind of fishy. Um, can't find his what'd social the, media. What did the wife say? How did you know the wife found out? Um, somebody reached out. to one of, one of the wife's friends reached out to my friend and was like, hey, can you tell me exactly what happened? Um, they've, they've been married since 2014. They have oh, five kids no. together. This isn't the first time oh. that this has happened. Oh, no. Yeah. So... It's just, I mean, this is, this is wild. I I didn't know. I mean, I this is wild. It's bad. It's really bad. 
I had no God, idea. So all, all you guys out there, listen, if you're going to do something uh, something nefarious and something that isn't great, understand, maybe you thought you'd get away with it 10 years ago. You got no chance these no. days. Girls are FBI Absolutely agents. zero. Well, my wife. My wife is like, I mean, she... When I, within like weeks of meeting her, um, I put together, I'm like, oh, this... She should be working for the FBI. Like, she knows everything and anything. She's got this on lockdown. Uh, but, like, this is insane. Yeah. Girls are good. I love how girls care so much about it all, and they should. And then, like, the opposite of this, there's just no thing for guys like this. No. Like, there's no there's no turnaround like, oh, yeah, this. so this woman is doing this. Um, that's incredible. I want to see the, I want to see the Facebook group in between the break. <laughs> Perfect. I got to see exactly what's going on here. Can, I, I, I want to say this poor guy, but you probably shouldn't be out there married. Why is he out there married with five kids anyway? I have no idea. You're going idea. to nightclubs when you're married with five kids. Well, it's. Take a nap. Enjoy golf on the weekends. <laughs> have a nice scotch. Be out there going to clubs. Apparently he didn't live up his youth or something because he's. No, well, isn't that always the case? Apparently. That's how my wife knows I'm a good one because uh, I was a complete degenerate as a very, very young person. And so I'm, I'm good. I got it all out of my system. All the gambling, all the womanizing, anything you'd imagine. Early on in life, accomplished it all. I'm not like a lot of these people that are like, oh, we never did. I never did anything. And so then when they hit 40, they're like, shoot, I need to do more. Not me. Not me. I'm good. We are satisfied. Now I want to go to parties and talk about scotches that I drink and different striping kits for mowing my lawn. That would that would appease me. Thank you very much. All right, leave that there. Get back into sports. Fan focus coming your way next. We got to get to Shane Bieber at 920. We'll go off the beaten path at 940. Loaded 9 o'clock hour with you guys right here on The Fan.